listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. I began on Wednesday night to encourage them and I began to talk about expectancy. You could feel the spirit of expectancy. You could just feel something begin to rise in that place. Because you know what expectancy really is? Expectancy is having faith in God. It's faith in God. It's trusting in God that no matter what, He is able to do it for you today. It's having a confidence in God and realizing that He is a God that has no equal. There is none like God. It's a God that spoke and the world was created. I mean, God didn't even break a sweat. He didn't have to work. He spoke. That is how powerful our God is. It's a God, the Bible says, that's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond. Today we can have expectancy And we can have faith in one who will never disappoint us. One who will never let us down. I was talking with my dad yesterday. My dad is 63 years of age. And two weeks ago, he went to his first professional soccer game he has ever gone to in his life. And he was absolutely blown away as he went into that stadium And he saw the roar from the fans as it went out, as the players went onto the field. He couldn't believe the excitement in the game as everyone was hanging on every shot, every pass, every moment. Everyone was just into it. Everyone was together. They were cheering the same things. They were supporting the same team. He said the atmosphere was incredible. And he said he left that place both excited and grieved in his spirit. Because he said to me yesterday, I believe one of the greatest sins of the church today is the lack of expectancy that we have. He said if only church could be like that, that people came early. They don't rock up to church late. They come up early. Come on, real fans don't show up late to a game. They're there early. If it's LSU, they're there really early. They won't even watch the band walk into the stadium. Never mind the players. They're there. And he said, there's such an excitement. And he said, but yet in his spirit, he thought, man, how sad. There has got to be, once again, in the house of God, a realm of expectancy where we come in and we say, God is going to move. That's why today I I pray that today someone has met you today and said to you these words, expect your miracle today. Because we're trying to lift that level of expectancy in the house. Because I believe if we came expecting God to move every week, our lives would be completely different. This church would be completely different. Every church in this world would be completely different if people came expecting, expecting, expecting. Expecting what is available to each one of us through faith. I love Jesus. 
And I love to read about Jesus in the Word of God. There was something that Jesus possessed around him, within him, that was different to everyone else. When Jesus was in a town, not two or three people showed up. Everyone left whatever they were doing. The Bible said there were such crowds around Jesus that he literally had to have his disciples walk around him to protect him. If not, the Bible says there was such a throng. That word throng means crush. It's descriptive of what happens in a wine vault as grapes are crushed. There was such a crush. Why? Because there was an expectancy all around Jesus. This Jesus was different to anything else they had seen or heard. Everyone wanted to be around him. He wasn't boring. He wasn't religious. He wasn't dead. But there was an atmosphere. There was something around him that the people of that day had never seen. There was another group of people that was called the religious leaders. They're the ones that were supposed to lead people to Christ. They were the ones who were supposed to show people, but yet what did they do? They made a life for God. A chore. People literally dreaded the Sabbath day because of the chore that the religious leaders had made it. All the rules, all the regulations, all the rituals that they had inflicted upon the people. They even cheated them financially. Because here's what the religious leaders did. They used people for their own gain. They used their position to manipulate the people that they would benefit as a result of it. But Jesus was different. Jesus was different. It wasn't about him. It was all about others. It wasn't about what he could get. It was about what he could give. It wasn't about what he could receive and the blessings. It was about what he could impart into others all around him. There was such a love. There was such a warmth. There was such a freshness that was about him. There was so much Hope. Hope is such an incredible thing. Having hope. Because there was people who were destitute and broken. They were hopeless. And God came and he spoke. And such hope flooded their lives. And what hope did to them was it made them see beyond their immediate. And made them see what was available through God. That's what's so powerful about hope. Hope doesn't end today. Hope just begins today and takes your tomorrow to greater places than you have ever imagined in your life. Hope is a new beginning for every one of us. There was such an expectancy around him everywhere that he went. In fact, Jesus said words like this from Mark 9, verse 23. Jesus said to all those around, he said, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. God, help us not just to read scriptures like that and know scriptures like that and let it lose its implication and meaning to our life. Think about that. Jesus cried out to those who were broken, destitute, hopeless, crying out for a change. They didn't even maybe know why they were there, but they followed the crowd. There was an excitement. I want to be a part of it. And Jesus stands up and says, if you can believe, all things are possible. 
What did that mean that day? To the lame man, there was a healing. To the blind man, he could see. To those who were depressed, there was freedom. To those who were oppressed by the enemy, there was deliverance. Whatever it was, Jesus spoke right to them. There was expectancy. There was faith that would rise. But listen to me. Yes, there was expectancy all around him. But it was because of the power that was within him. It was because of what was inside of him. It wasn't just empty hype. It wasn't just empty words. He backed up what he said. Because of the power he possessed inside of him. A power that the Bible says now lives inside of every one of us as his children. As children of God, the Bible says there's a power that lives inside of us. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. But we have this treasure. I wonder what that treasure is that we have inside of our mortal bodies, inside of our earthen vessels. What does it say? That the excellence of the power may be of God. And not of us. You know what the Bible is telling us? There is an excellence. There is a power. There is a source of freedom, deliverance, liberty. Whatever you need, it's inside of you. Why? Because it's not of you. But it's of God. There is an excellence. That word means to throw beyond. It's beyond every one of us. It's beyond our abilities. Come on, I can't heal myself. I can't even heal a fly with a headache. But I know one who can. And I know that power where it wants to dwell inside of us. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of this power may be of God and not of us. Let's read on. It says, verse 8, For we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Can I hear a thank God in the house? Come on, there's times when we're pressed. There's times when the enemy comes in and it feels like we can't take it no more. But come on, we're still alive and kicking to testify of the goodness of God. It goes on to say we are perplexed. Have you ever been to a place where you don't have the answers? That's what it means to be perplexed. We are perplexed, but thank God, not in despair. Come on, never in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Come on, I love what one translation says. We're knocked down, but we're not knocked out. Come on. We may be knocked down, we may be struck down, but we're never destroyed. Why is that? Because we have a treasure. We have a treasure. The power of God that wants to live inside of us. John Norman, two Sundays ago, spoke about living with pressure. Living with stress. That in our lives, we're going to have to go through stressful times of pressure in our lives. Those things that try to inflict us, to destroy us. But he talked about how there has to be a greater power that's within us. That will overcome every pressure that's without us. There has to be something greater inside of us. Can I tell you what that is today? It's the power of God. It's the power of God. The Bible says, greater is he. I said, greater is he that is within me 
than he that is in the world. Come on, the power of God is greater than sickness today. The power of God is greater than emotional wounds and brokenheartedness today. Abuse, that which the enemy has tried to inflict upon you. I say greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. God's power is able to move today. We've got to have an expectancy to say, God, it's in you. I live and move and have all hope of being. One of my favorite scriptures in the word of God comes from Ephesians 3 verse 20. And it says, now to him, now to Jesus, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or even think. Think about that. According to the power that works inside of us. The power that works inside of us. It wasn't just about coming around Jesus. It wasn't just about the cool vibe that they felt when they were around him. He possessed something that people connected with and they said, I want that peace. I want that comfort. I want that strength. I want that hope. And those who came in contact with him, not one left the the same way. They left changed because he imparted something into every One of them. He came to give. And he still wants to give to us today. As I said, expectancy drew people to him. But that faith and expectancy also changed them. And everywhere they went, they carried that expectancy with them. Can you hear the conversation? Who is this Jesus? I heard he raised a man who was dead from... I mean, is that true? I mean, who is, who can this be? And someone stands up and says, I've seen him. Can I tell you something? He's real. And expectancy began to ring out. Someone said, I can tell you this right now. There's none other like him. There was an expectancy that just wasn't around him. It spread out from him to neighboring towns and regions and areas. People hadn't even seen him, but they knew about him. They had heard. There was faith, there was expectancy, expectancy. Story after story we read of how people came into his presence and they left completely changed. I mean completely changed, it wasn't hype, but it was true faith, a power that changed them. There was a lady one day who had an issue of blood, the Bible says, 12 years she had been sick. She had tried everything she could. She had spent everything. She was bankrupt and she probably owed everyone so much money. The Bible says no matter what she did, she just grew worse. She was hopeless. But one day she heard a story. She heard about a man named Jesus. She began to think, could this Jesus ever do anything for me? Would he ever come to my house? Would he ever come to this area? Would he ever come to this region? There was a hope that began to rise inside of her. And one day there was an excitement all around. And she stopped someone and she heard, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. She had to just go by what she heard. And the expectancy that she felt. But listen to the words that she said. Mark 9 verse 21. She said, if I can only just touch. 
Come on, if I could just touch him. If I could just touch his garment. If I could just touch the lowest part of his robe. The hem of his garment. What did she say? I shall be made whole. I shall be made well. What incredible faith. Maybe today you're here because someone invited you. Maybe you don't really know Jesus, but you've just heard of Jesus. You can still have an expectancy in Him, and He can still touch your need. you just got to have faith today. While you're sitting here right now, you may be feeling sick, and you're trying to reason in your mind, well, what if God doesn't? How can God do these things? Listen, have faith today. Have expectancy. Be like that lady. She didn't have to pray for her personally. She didn't turn around and say, if I can have a personal audience with Jesus, if I could just stand in front of him, if he could lay both of his hands upon me, if he could just anoint me with oil, if he could pray that kumbaya prayer, you know, that good one, if he could just do all that kind of stuff, then I can be healed. She says, no, there's something about this man. I don't understand it and I don't know what it is, but there is a power about him that if I could just touch the furthest part of his garment, I know there's enough power there to make me whole. Twelve years is no match for the smallest part and the bottomest part of his person. She didn't even say if I could touch him. If I could just touch the clothing that he wore, I could be made whole. She was made whole. She was healed. I said she was healed. Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? And the disciples looked and laughed and said, what do you mean who touched you? I mean, everyone's touching you, Jesus. And Jesus says, no. I felt virtue flow out from me. He felt a connection. There was a connection there. There was a lot of people who touched Jesus that day, but there was few that touched him with faith. That day when Bartimaeus cried, there was a lot of people crying that day, but God heard the hearts cry that day. Don't think today God won't hear you cry. He's heard your cry, and he's here to meet your need. Come on, I said he's heard your cry, and he's here to meet your need. So guess what? Now, all of a sudden, there's a new story that's going around. Did you hear about that lady? I mean, she just touched the hem of his garment. And she, oh, no, I don't believe that. I'm telling you, they say it's true. They say it's true. Well, I can't believe that. I'm telling you, it's true. You know what? That word began to spread. And later on, it says this, that Jesus went into a different area, a different region. And look what happened in Matthew 14, verse 34 and 36. And it says, when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. When Jesus had crossed over. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all the surrounding region. And they brought to him all who were sick. And notice what it says. And they begged him that they may only touch the hem of his garment. Where do you think they got that from? I mean, where do you think they got that from? I mean, up to the time this lady had touched Jesus, there was no other record that that was how people were healed. There was an expectancy that came because of someone's faith. Other people said, wow, if we can just touch the hem of his garment, and look what the Bible says, and everyone or as many as touched it. I love what it says. They were made perfectly well. 
perfectly well. That to me speaks of a complete touch, doesn't it to you? They were made whole. They were made complete. Because of her expectancy, many that day were made whole. I believe today because of the expectancy of us who have been praying and believing God in your expectancy today, I believe many in this place are going to be made whole. And we talked about this too on Wednesday. Healing is not just physical. There's physical needs we all have, but there's emotional needs that God wants to heal in this place. There's needs in relationships that God wants to heal. There's financial needs that God wants to heal. There's spiritual needs. God came to heal the package deal. He came to take care of us in every way. You may say, well, that's all good and true. That was because they touched Jesus. But expectancy didn't stop with Jesus. He passed it on to his disciples, to his followers, to every one of us. Because Mark 16 verse 17 reminds us. And these signs will follow those who believe. We believe today. I says we believe. And therefore, the signs that Jesus did, the miracles that he did, it says they are still available for every one of us today. Expectancy. Expectancy. Come on, what are you believing for today? You see, true expectancy is seeing it, it's claiming it, it's believing it, it's moving towards it before it even becomes a reality. We see this in Hebrews 11 verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things. Notice what we hope for. What we hope for. It's not something we possess right now. It's not something that we have in our hands. It's not something that's a part of our lives right now. But faith, the expectancy we have in God, is something that we hope for. And it's the evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith is the expectancy and the revelation and the confidence that we can have in Him. I like what New Living Translation says. It says, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things that we cannot yet see. Expectancy. Expecting it to happen. We've got to get to that place where we expect God to touch our lives that we know that he wants. There was a leper that came to Jesus and he asked, Jesus, is it your will that I should be made whole? And Jesus said, it's my will. It's his will that you would be whole today, that you would be healed. Here's how the enemy beats us up. Are you ready? He tells us you'll never get to that place of expectancy because you don't have enough faith. Have you ever been told that, that you don't have enough faith? Has the enemy ever told you, you just don't have enough faith? The reason you're not healed, the reason you're not got the miracle, you don't have enough faith. Satan beats us up with that all the time, all the time. Well, I guess I don't have enough faith. I guess they're going to be healed today, but I'm going to miss my moment again. Huh. Can I give you what Jesus would say? to you and what Jesus did say to that kind of mindset and thought. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 17, verse 20. Jesus said to them, 
because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say unto you, if you have faith as a mustard seed. Say with me, little faith. A mustard seed is the smallest of seeds, but yet grows to be so big. Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, come on, what is your mountain today? Move from here to there. And it will move. And nothing will be impossible. Jesus didn't say you've got to have great faith. Do you hear me today? Jesus said, you may have little faith. You may come in here. You may be a skeptical. I think sometimes skepticals are healed more than Christians. Because they look and say, well, I've got nothing to lose. A skeptic, I might as well at least try. And God responds to that kind of faith. But when we begin to reason it out and we begin to convince ourselves. But Jesus said, it's not how much faith you have, but where your faith is planted. Come on, what's your faith in? It's not the size of your faith, but where you put your faith. What is it you believe in? Jesus said it another way to the disciples. He said, if you have childlike faith. Didn't say childish. Childish and childlike are completely different. If you're childish, you're annoying. (laughs) Childlike faith. Childlike faith. That we could see God once again through the eyes of a child. Why? Because children don't see the obstacles. They don't see the circumstance. They just see that they've made a request and they believe that request is going to be made. She had this story many times. One day Brittany had this doll. It was a kind of Barbie doll. She came to me and she says, Dad, can you put its head back on? A lot of those dolls, the heads would click back on, but this sucker was ripped off. There was nothing to put it back on with or nothing. And I said, Brittany, there's no way I can fix it. She looked at me and she said, but God says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens. Don't you hate it when your kids actually listen to what you say? And a lot of the time you think they don't know, but they can pull it out when they need to. You know what I'm saying? But you said in a little, I mean, a little girl, but you said all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens. I mean, how can you deny that kind of faith? I said, how can you deny that kind of faith? It didn't look pretty, but Barbie's head was on. (laughs) It had a collar of duct tape, but it was on. (laughs) Whatever it took that day, I made sure that head was on. And if anything was going to fall off, it wasn't going to be the head. (laughs) What I'm trying to say to you is this. Brittany came to me that day with only one outcome in her mind. Listen to me today. She only had one outcome, and that was this. Her head was going to be restored. She didn't come saying, expecting me to say, hey, it's not going to happen. She came realizing that if anyone I know can do it, it's my dad. She came with such faith that there was only one outcome that day. And we need to hear that today. It may look like it's impossible. It may look like there is no way out. But we need to come today with such a childlike faith and say, I don't care about the circumstances or the situations. You may have the doctor's x-ray that says a tumor and shows a cancerous tumor in your body. But come to Jesus today expecting only one outcome. And that is this. I'm going to be made whole. I'm going to be complete. If I can just touch him I'm going to be made well what an incredible place to get because our faith 
is shrunk back to our unbelief. Our faith is shrunk back to the place of our unbelief. We've got to trust Him, not disbelieve Him. We've got to have faith. We've got to expect in Him. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. What is it you need today? God is that today. He must believe that he is. He is your saviour. He is your Lord. He is your healer. He is your deliverer. Come on, the Bible says without faith it's impossible. But when we can believe that he is, guess what? He is a rewarder of those who seek him in that way. Those who come to him and say, God, I may not understand it all, but God, I trust you today that you're able to do exceedingly abundant above and beyond. God, I realize today you're my healer. It doesn't matter what people have said. I believe that you are. That you are. Notice the Bible doesn't say that you must come and have everything right. Aren't you glad of that today? You've got to be perfect and you've got to be right. And when you're in that kind of place, then God will listen to you. But it's one who would say, God, I know you're the one who can and who will. It's just a mustard seed. You know why there are so many more miracles that take place overseas than here in this nation? You go to Africa and you go to some of these remote areas in third world countries and all around the world. You know why there are so many more miracles that take place there? I can tell you this, it's not because there's more of God there. But there's a level of expectancy that we have forgotten, that we have lost. In Africa, in some of these areas and countries, Megan was just in Romania. When they come to church and they bring their children who are sick, if God doesn't heal them, their child is going to die. If God doesn't meet their need, they're going to lose everything they have. They don't have the luxury to go down to the bank and get a loan. They don't have the luxury of going to a clinic and getting just a simple maybe shot of medicine that would solve them. In a lot of these areas, if they don't get what they need from God, it's over. It's kaput. There is no other way. Can I tell you why there's so many miracles? Because they come with such childlike faith saying, God, if you can't do it, no one else can. So I believe you can. With everything that we have, all the blessings, all the comforts, all the luxuries, the padded chairs today, the lovely instruments, the beautiful cars, the homes, the clothes, the food in our bellies, with everything that we have, which is blessings from God. But with everything we have, our expectancy and faith in God has been affected. We've put more belief in those things. And in turn, doubt his ability to do it. Remember one of the scriptures I started with? One of my favorites, and you know that. Mark 9, verse 23. 
A poor boy's been brought to Jesus. He's possessed. He's been thrown into a fire. Has some kind of epilepsy that's going on that's trying to kill him. And he brings him to his disciples. They couldn't heal him. He now stands before Jesus. Jesus turns to the father. Says, how long has he been doing this? Jesus has a conversation with him. The boy is flipping out. He's spazzing out. He's going into seizures. All these things are happening. And Jesus looks at the father and says, if you can believe. That word wasn't just for him, but it was for him that day. If you can believe, all things are possible. I love the next verse, and I want us to get to this next verse because this is where we really are today. With tears in his eyes. With tears in his eyes. Immediately, the father begins to cry out, and he says these words. Lord, I believe. I want to stop right there. Just hold that text up there. Lord, I believe. But then he begins to think about it all. Because he's human just like us. He begins to reason out what's going on in his mind. He knows the circumstances and situation because he lives with the child. He sees the attack. He sees the need. He knows everything. He's considering all the circumstances. He's beginning to remind himself about the severity of the attack. So he's saying, God, I believe, but there's a battle. There's a struggle that's going on. He begins to question Which is another way of saying today, he started to doubt what was about to happen. But notice, he catches himself and says, hold on a second. He says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. God, erase any doubt that I may have. So much easier to pray for someone else for a miracle than it is to pray for yourself. Have you noticed that? Because you don't have to live with them, you have to live with you. You know the circumstances and situation. But you know what we need to say today? Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. God, give me complete expectancy in you, complete faith that goes beyond what I see to what you are able to do. Come on, say with me today, expectancy. Come on, say it like you mean it today, expectancy expectancy. Come on, it's your miracle today. Expectancy. I've got expectancy in God. may not have a lot of faith, but I've got my mustard seed. And it's a mustard seed that can move any obstacle, any mountain has to go when I believe that God is able to do it. I want to give you 10 reasons quickly why we doubt God. Are you ready? 10 reasons why we doubt God. Number one, It's a lot easier to doubt than it is to believe. Think about that for a second. It's a lot easier many times to doubt than it is to have faith. Many times we want to take the easy way out and we just give in to those things. Listen, it doesn't take faith to be poor. It doesn't take faith to be poor. But it takes faith to believe that God will meet your need. It's easier to doubt than it is to have faith. The next point, number nine, is this. Many times we doubt is because we love the attention. We get the attention. People would rather have hardships and problems as long as they get the sympathy and help that they need. That's wrong attention today. Because what you end up doing is you end up settling for less than the best in your life. Here's another reason why we doubt. Because we are governed by our 
immediate. All we see is what's around us instead of realizing what's inside of us. Come on, I've got to say that one more time. I didn't even get one amen out of that. We're governed by our immediate because many times all we see is that which is around us instead of recognizing and seeing what is inside of us. Greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells within your mortal body. Come on, there is something inside of you that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond. You could even dream in your wildest dreams. Don't be governed by your immediate. Believe God today. There's a treasure in you. There's a treasure of the excellence of God. Here's another reason why we doubt God. As a result of unforgiveness. Man, we could preach weeks on this one. Listen to me. Forgiveness doesn't make them right. But it makes you free. Doesn't make what they did to you right but you hold on to that unforgiveness, you're going to be banned. No more shackles, no more chains, no more bondage. What did we sing? I am free. Come on, we've got to release that. We've got to forgive. It doesn't make them right, but it's going to make us free. Unforgiveness is massive, especially when it comes to ourselves, because you know what? There's a lot of people who are sitting here today that have never forgiven themselves. And as a result of not forgiving yourself, you are sitting here today saying, why would God want to touch me? Because I am unworthy of his healing. You've got to throw that aside. That's a lie of the enemy today. Because if it was based on our worthiness, we would all leave here worse than what we came in. Because none of us are worthy but for grace, but for mercy, but for the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing I can do, only the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole? Nothing I can do, only the blood of Jesus. Forgiveness. When you don't forgive yourself for the mistakes you made, then you begin to doubt why God would ever want to heal and change and use someone like you. Number six, because we love to question and argue with God. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. We want to still be in control. And so we fight it. We need to be a pig and not a chicken. Turn to your name and say, you need to be a pig and not a chicken. I haven't lost my mind. Let me explain that one to you. They were having a party one day and the chicken turned to the pig and said, I'll bring the eggs if you bring the bacon. Come on, how many knows who had the rough deal right there? I'll bring the eggs and you bring the bacon. But that's how we need to be. We need to give everything to God. We begin to question and argue God because we don't surrender control over to him and therefore we doubt God. Number five, because of ignorance to his word. That's why we doubt him, because we don't know his word. That's why today we've been giving you the word, to try and build your faith, because the Bible says faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word, word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. We have no excuse here. We have every opportunity, but yet we choose not to educate ourselves and feed us. Stop always waiting to be spoon-fed, and start feeding yourself a daily, stable Balanced diet of the Word of God. 
you haven't heard God lately, read God. Let him speak to your life. Number four, we doubt when it doesn't happen as we want it and when we want it. It's not how or when. Fitting into his timetable can sometimes feel like you've missed the boat. I remember a professor at my Bible college told me, Philip, he said, one thing you'll learn is this. God's train is very seldom early, but it's never late. But when it doesn't happen, how and when, watch out. Because then we begin to doubt. We've got to learn to trust in God who knows our end from the beginning. Notice that? He knows our end from the beginning. He doesn't know us from the beginning to end. He knows the end from the beginning. What a God we can trust in today. In other words, he's got it all figured out for you. Just have faith in him. Here's why else we doubt. Number three, this is a good one, because of the law of association. In other words, who you're hanging around. Association brings assimilation. You get like the people you mix with. If you're around people who are negative, run for your life. You need to be around people who are positive. You need to be around people who speak in the Word of God. They may not have it all together because there's no one like that. None of us are perfect. But be around people that say whatever it takes, we want to get to Jesus. Come on, we want to get to Jesus. Number two, the reason we doubt is because we listen to the wrong voice. Well, really, what that says is we're living a life that is uncommitted, an uncommitted relationship with Him. John 10, verse 10 says, the voice we know the most is the voice that we're going to hear. Not John 10, 10. In John chapter 10, it speaks about the shepherd, the sheep know His voice and they follow Him, but the voice of a stranger, they will not. The voice that you know is the voice that you'll follow. So many of us don't know the voice of God, so we're not following the right voice. I heard this statement once that the Marines, they were making a big push for recruits. And listen to what their slogan was. We aren't taking applications. We're only taking commitments. Isn't that cool? Join the Marines. We're not taking applications. We're just taking commitments. That's where we need to be, a relationship that is totally committed to God. And last but not least, number one, we doubt God because we offer up to him a life that is so cluttered up with junk. What does that mean? We give God such limited capacity to use. We can only contain what there is room to receive. Faith today. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. Have an expectancy today. Faith needs to be the major occupant of our lives. If not, don't expect the miraculous to take place. There was such a level of expectancy all around him wherever he went. But it was because of the power that was within him. Today, we need to have that expectancy. I want the band to come up today. We need to have that same expectancy in Him today. We may not see it all. We may not understand it all. But we need to be like that lady and say, if I could just touch the hem of His garment, I can be made whole. I believe today, today is your day. Come on, I said today is your day. I said today is your moment. If I could ask everyone to stand in this place, what we're going to do right now is we're going to enter into a time of worship. 
We're going to just begin to praise God in this place. We just started the service with praise. We're now going to go into some worship. We're going to just begin to worship God in this house. We're going to begin to usher in his presence. We're going to begin to push through every obstacle, every hindrance, everything so that we're so easily beset us. And we're going to begin to focus in on God. We're going to begin to expect our miracle. Come on, it's time not to doubt, but it's time just to worship him. I want us just to get lost in worship for a few moments. Then we're going to begin to pray for people and we're going to believe for miracles to take place. But I really, truly believe today, today is your miracle. Come on, it's time to worship the one who is your healer today. It's time to worship the one who's your deliverer today. It's time to worship the one that is more than able to meet every need that you have in your life today. As we begin to worship him today. Come on, let expectancy begin to rise inside of you. Come on, let faith begin to rise inside of you. Come on, I said he's your healer today. Come on, he's your deliverer today. Nothing's impossible. All you've got to do is just believe him. Maybe today you need to cry out and say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Come on, use this time just to center your thoughts on God. Come on, use this time just to begin to focus in on him. Come on, he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah, Jesus. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.